Hey everybody, hey, listen, I want to welcome you. Here it is. It's Sunday, 4 o'clock here on the West Coast, 7 on the East Coast, and wherever else you might be in the world, gathering together to watch this or by yourself or whatever, we want to welcome you. And man, do we live in exciting times. Listen, uh, for right now, we are going to be in the book of Daniel, and uh, I'm excited about this opportunity uh, to go through this portion of Daniel with you. I haven't been through Daniel in a while, so we're going to pick up in Daniel chapter 9, and the subject that we're going to be looking at for this message this time is the contract with the devil. It's that contract, uh, the peace covenant that is entered into between Antichrist and the many. But before we get going and looking at that, uh, let's just consider uh, just a couple of news events over the last week or two. Actually, this is from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, what you're seeing on the screen right now, this is actually from the CDC. So I didn't make this up. But this is regarding the fires that are in the state of California starting uh, several weeks ago, actually. And the CDC on their own website said, listen, the masks that you are wearing for coronavirus won't protect you against the smoke from the fire. So you look at that and you go, wait a minute, I thought the coronavirus molecules were extremely tiny, much tinier than the smoke molecules. And now, now they're saying, hey, these masks won't even protect you from the smoke. And then there is this, pay attention, Nancy Pelosi, check this out, Nancy Pelosi hosts virtual G7 summit with world leaders. Look at that. The climate crisis is the existential threat of our time. I want you to think about those words. When, when coronavirus uh, first began, uh, as I'm looking back to that time, I couldn't help but tell people, listen, we're going to get through coronavirus, and the rhetoric we're going to hear is it's going to be about climate change and climate laws. The climate alarmists really started to pick up their hype back at the end of 2019. And let me tell you something. The climate laws because of, uh, that you can read about in Agenda 2030 are far more restrictive and oppressive than whatever it is you've been experiencing with coronavirus, wherever you may be in the country or within the world. The climate laws that are coming are really about controlling the masses of the people. Listen, I'm going to be doing a message here coming up pretty soon, too, and it's called the Great Reset. We're not just going to look at the economic reset that's coming. We're also going to look at these climate laws because you need to understand the direct that things are going, I'll keep you informed of when I'm going to be doing that message. So we have that. And then we have this, Donald Trump nominated for Nobel Prize, Nobel Peace Prize, excuse me, following Israel slash UAE deal. Now, it's not just that one. There's also other, uh, he's, he was nominated for a second one. We're going to get to, into that in just a couple more minutes. But with all of these things, this is what we're going to be looking at. It is going to be the contract of the devil. But I want you to be encouraged. My friend Todd, uh, Todd Hampson, 
my friend, not my Fred, my friend Todd Hampson wrote this article, Encourage One Another, looking at all of the events, and some of these events can be overwhelming. He writes, this is a portion of it, prophetic developments have accelerated to a new level this year. Literally, every single condition mentioned by the Old Testament prophets, uh, John in the book of Revelation, Paul in his epistles, and Jesus himself in the Olivet Discourse is in place or forming before our eyes at this very moment in history. Every second, excuse me, even secondary or subtle details of prophecies, particularly the setup for Isaiah 17 and Ezekiel 38, that would be the, uh, when D Damascus is destroyed, Isaiah 17 and Ezekiel 38 is the Gog-Magog War, are lining up exactly as foretold 2,600 years ago. Then he continues, while everything I mentioned above is through, through our natural eyes, scary and foreboding, when we realize this is exactly what we are told to look for just before the rapture of the church in the future seven-year tribulation period, we see it through a different lens. Along with the sobering realization of what the world is soon to go through, we should also be encouraged and excited. Titus chapter 3 verse 5 calls the rapture, our, the rapture excuse me, our blessed hope. In the context of the rapture, Paul also shared two very important and often overlooked things. One, that we are not appointed to suffer wrath, and two, that the promise snatching away of the church should greatly encourage us. And then he quotes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 9 through 11, where the Bible says, God has not appointed us to suffer wrath. This is speaking of the wrath of the tribulation period. Not just regular suffering and persecution we go through in this world, but the wrath, God's wrath poured on the world during the tribulation period. God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other just as, in fact, you are doing. And then he continued with this. Although we see this truly unprecedented convergence of scary events happening before our eyes, we can still encourage one another with the teaching of the pre-tribulational rapture. While things have become lawless and dangerous to an extent, we are also told that this spirit of lawlessness can't fully take over until the restrainer, the Holy Spirit indwelled church, is taken out of the way via the rapture. While we continue to experience a year that seems like climactic sequel of a multi-movie franchise in which key events are repeated with new apocalyptic twists, we need to remember a couple of important facts. First, we are called to put our hope and trust in the Lord, not world events, politics, and on down the list. Second, God always keeps his promises. Romans chapter 1, chapter 8, excuse me, says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that would be revealed in us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, one of my favorite passages, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Therefore, what are we to do? Encourage one another with these words. So as we look at different things that are taking place in this world, 
It can be discouraging, but you keep your eyes on the Lord, and man, Jesus is coming, and he's coming for his people. With that, let's look at what the Bible has to say about Daniel chapter 9. Specifically, we're going to look at the covenant uh, with many that Antichrist confirms, because we're watching these covenants of peace with great intrigue right now, so I want to get everything set. And listen, I want to tell you this also, if you're watching online right now with us, I want you to send your questions into me. I plan on getting to your questions, as many as I can at the end. However, I need you to keep your attention uh, to, to what I'm saying so the questions will apply to the things that we are talking about. Also, do your best to keep your questions short, because it's really hard for me to sit up here, or stand here, and read an entire paragraph, and there's no question in there. So listen, if you can, think about these things, send your questions, and Let's get going. So Daniel chapter 9 says this. This is the angel talking to Daniel. Daniel has visions. And the angel says, 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city. Who's your people? The Jewish people. What's your holy city? City of Jerusalem. To make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal a vision of prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall, even in troublesome times. Now I've looked at that with you in the past. You can go back and look at my previous message in the book of Daniel. You can find it online on YouTube and also at, at uh, my, our website, HopeForOurTimes.com. But seventy weeks are determined for your people. 69 of the weeks have been fulfilled, the seven weeks plus the 62 weeks for a total of 69. And the Bible says this, verse 26, and here it is. This is where we're going tonight. After the 62 weeks, in other words, after the seven weeks plus the 62. So after the total of the 69 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. That's speaking of Jesus when he was crucified. He was cut off, but not for himself. He was cut off for anybody who would believe in him. He was crucified. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Uh, the people, uh, it was the Roman people, of the prince who is to come of the Antichrist that's coming. This lets us know that Antichrist is coming out of a revived Roman Empire. He shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it will be with the flood until the end of war desolations are determined. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. That's a period of seven years. Remember, 69 weeks are determined. 69 weeks is 483 years. Again, I've gone into detail in that at HopeForOurTimes.com. You can get it there or on YouTube. Uh, so let's move on. He will confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abominations he shall be, shall be one who makes desolate even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. Okay, there's a lot there, but we're only going to focus on just a little bit because I want to make sure that we all understand this. So you ready? Number one, what do we learn here? Number one, we learn there is a covenant. 
It is this contract or this covenant that marks the beginning of the 70th week of Daniel. Some people, some Christians look and they go, well, wait a minute. I thought it was the rapture of the church that began the tribulation period. No, it is not. Listen, the rapture of the church could take place tomorrow. We could be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And the covenant might not be confirmed for three more years. Have you ever thought about that? That certainly is a possibility. The rapture does not begin the tribulation period. What the Bible teaches is the rapture will take place before the tribulation begins. But what marks the beginning of the tribulation period is this covenant that is entered into with Antichrist and the many. So there is a covenant. Uh, note A, it is a covenant of peace. How do we know that? Well, we have, diff we have various clues. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 2 and 3 tell us this. The day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. Uh, by the way, before we move on, I want to note this. What we are hearing right now in the news is all kinds of people are crying out for peace and safety. And God warns, it won't just happen in the city. I believe ultimately this is the cry for peace and safety within Jerusalem. And specifically, it really applies to the center of it, uh, this peace covenant that we are reading about. But ultimately, people are crying peace and safety. They want peace and safety. But, but think of these things and, and think of this. We have line politicians that tell us and line pundits on the news that are telling us when we watch the news here in America, I don't know, it might be different in different parts of the world, but we're watching riots, we're, we're watching people being killed, we're watching businesses being destroyed, we're watching fires destroy cities, and the news and these politicians are telling us these are peaceful protests, but uh, they are not peaceful protests, these things that we are watching. Listen, uh, check this out. Let me share this with you. In fact, if you have a Bible, open up your Bible to Jeremiah chapter 6 and tell me if this doesn't sound familiar, right? Think of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, he's a faithful prophet in the area of Judah. He's warning that, listen, the Babylonians are coming. If you don't repent, destruction is coming to Jerusalem. Uh, Jeremiah was hated by the wicked kings, and uh, so he was cast into a, a pit. Uh, but the lying prophets, the false prophets, were able to be free. And the false prophets were saying, Nah, everything is just a-okay. Don't listen to these prophets like Jeremiah. They're saying you need to repent. In this context, in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 13, Jeremiah writes, Because from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness. It's all about me. It's about what I want. And then he continues. And from the prophet, even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. He's talking about false prophets and false priests who are promising everything is okay. Everything is just fine. They have also healed my, the hurt of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. They're saying everything is good. They've, they've, they've healed my people slightly. In other words, they put a Band-Aid on it when there isn't really peace. So I think of the 
so-called peaceful protests right now, the news is saying, man, it's peace and safety. Oh, this is all good. When we are watching cities burn, you're going, man, and people being killed. Listen, one Bible translates that passage as this. They dress the wound of my people, says God, as though it were not serious. Is that what we are watching today? You better believe it is. I look at this and go, this was to ancient Judah, how this applies to today. Verse 15, were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Listen to this. No, they were not at all ashamed, nor did they know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time I punish them, they shall be cast down, says the Lord. Are they ashamed of the sinful things they do? Jeremiah writes, they are not ashamed. They won't even blush. Listen, we are hearing about all kinds of bizarre things that are happening uh, right now in the world as things are being exposed. Sex trafficking and, and pedophilia and transgenderism and things going on in schools. Uh, and, you, and you're hearing this. People aren't even blushing. They certainly aren't ashamed. In fact, they're telling us that you better just accept it. And then check this out. As Jeremiah continues over in Jeremiah chapter 7, he says this in verse 8. Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. These are lies. They're not going to profit, but you think they will. You trust in them. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, the false worship, and walk after other gods whom you do not know? You look at that and you think, man, this looks like the context for where we are today. But it's in this context, people are crying out for peace and safety. We are watching peace agreements happen. And then you read something like Jeremiah where people are saying, all is peaceful, all is peaceful. Peaceful. The false prophets are saying it. The false priests are saying it. And the people were kind of believing it. And Jeremiah says, this is really bad news. Judgment is coming. Nevertheless, let's get back to this. It's a covenant of peace that Antichrist is going to confirm. Revelation chapter 6, verse 2 says, Behold, a white horse, he that be Antichrist, who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Uh, this describes peace through diplomacy. Uh, Antichrist going around the world, making these different peace agreements, and it appears to be all over the world with many different nations as things are happening. Daniel chapter 8, verse 25 says, Through his, through Antichrist policy, he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand, and he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace he shall destroy many. So there's going to be these peace covenants that are coming, and people, the world is going to be destroyed by them. So what do we have? It's a covenant of peace. It's also a covenant that will be confirmed. Again, uh, back in Daniel, it says here, he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, for a seven-year period. Confirm. Uh, what does the word confirm mean? It comes from a Hebrew word, kaver, and it means to make strong. It's, he's he's going to make this work. What this gives us, it tells us there's a peace covenant already on the table, Antichrist is going to come along and make sure that that peace covenant 
works. In fact, as you look at today, it could be various peace covenants that are on the table. Antichrist confirms, puts them all into one package because he's going to confirm a covenant, not covenants. Maybe he'll put them all into one and make us strong. But what does it mean to confirm, make us strong? It's like this. You can't confirm a dentist appointment unless you already have a dentist appointment, right? You can't confirm a hotel reservation unless you already have a hotel reservation. Uh, the dentist calls you the day before. Hey, I'm just confirming your appointment. Yes, I will be there. You call up the hotel. You want to confirm the day before you travel across the country. Hey, I want to confirm you got my hotel yet reservation. Yes, I have your hotel reservation. The only way you can confirm something is if it's already in place. So that gives us the thought behind that. Also, what else do we have? It's a covenant of peace. It's a covenant that will be confirmed. See, it is a covenant with many. So what does that mean? Uh, many comes from this Hebrew word, and it means abundant, exceedingly full. As such, this covenant is uh, believed to be with the Jews in Israel. And uh, there are many Arab uh, nations that are around them. Um, it could be uh, including them, plus the UN, the United States, various countries. Uh, but it's many. It's, it's not just uh, Israel and the Palestinians or something like that. Listen, are we seeing something shaping up like this today? Well, let's just think through this a little bit, all right? Uh, think of this. Um, here, here's one article. Uh, I mentioned this already. So Donald Trump was, uh, President Trump was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize regarding the UAE peace deal with Israel. Also, Trump has been nominated, have you seen this, for a second Nobel Prize for work in service and Kosovo. So you see these things that are going on out there. Uh, Nobel Peace Prizes and the covenant with many. Now check this out, all right? We know about the UAE peace deal. Okay, that's just a couple of weeks ago. Bahrain is now involved in this. My friend James Cadiz said Bahrain would be the next one that was going to go and enter into an agreement with Israel and these many other Arab territories are going to begin to follow suit. He's, he's spot on. Bahrain agrees to normalize relations with Israel. Listen, Bahrain uh, agreed to establish formal relations with Israel in advance of Tuesdays. This is upcoming Tuesday. Uh, anticipated historic signing in Washington of an accord to normalize ties between Israel and the UAE. It is likely that a second accord could be signed Tuesday between Israel and Bahrain. U.S. President Donald Trump tweeted the news Friday, another historic breakthrough today. Our two great friends, Israel and the Kingdom of Bahrain, agreed to a peace deal. The second Arab country to make peace with Israel in 30 days, he tweeted. To underscore, this goes on and says, the speed with which events are unfolding, Netanyahu noted on Friday, just the other day, that it took 26 years from the signing of a peace deal between Israel and Jordan in 1994 for there to be an existing peace deal such as the one we have with the UAE. To underscore the speed with which events are unfolding, 
You can see the Bahrain, there you go, the Bahrain, there's the article I'm reading. To underscore the speed with which events are unfolding, Netanyahu noted on Friday that it took 26 years from the signing of a peace deal between Israel and the Jordan in 1994 for there to be an existing deal such as the one with the UAE. After that, he said it was only another 29 days to make a fourth deal. This is a, a new era of peace. Uh, but then, uh, get this. Let me put this together with some words from uh, Damon Duck. He writes, Bible prophecy is falling in place right now with incredible speed and accuracy. These current events appear to verify what the best prophecy teachers are saying. Concerning peace in the Middle East, on September 1, 2020, Jared Kushner, senior advisor to President Trump, said obviously anything could happen, but the reality is that a lot of people are envious of the move that the UAE has made. A lot of people want access to the technology, economy, and the advancements that Israel has. Israel is like another Silicon Valley for the Middle East. On September, on September 2, 2020, Kushner boarded a plane for a flight with the UAE in the beginning of a new era of peace in the Mideast. I got to, I got to, hold on just a second for everybody watching online. All right, hey, has everybody online seen the same thing I'm seeing? Okay, they aren't seen? Okay. All right. Thank you. On September 2, 2020, in case you're wondering what I'm seeing, I've seen screens change and things go black. So I'm glad you guys are all tracking. On September 2, 2020, Kushner boarded a plane for a flight to the UAE and the beginning of a new era of peace in the Middle East. The word peace was written in three languages over the cockpit of the plane. Kushner believes another Arab nation will make peace with Israel in a matter of months, and all 22 Arab nations will eventually recognize the existence of Israel. It has been reported that Bahrain will likely normalize relations before Rosh Hashanah on September 18th. And as many as 20 Muslim nations could do it in the next two months. I would say, needless to say, we live in incredible times to think that all of these things are, trans are transforming right now, transforming our world. Listen, you need to be aware. Jesus is coming soon. Everything is happening. We have coronavirus. We have threats of more lockdowns that are coming. And uh, now they're saying be ready for round two. The climate change laws that are coming. The great reset that's coming in January, which again, I'm going to do a message on that coming up here uh, real soon. And, and then you look at these peace plans. You look at Russia and Iran threatening Israel from the north. And uh, you look at all these different things. How can you not look at your Bible and think Jesus must be coming? As Peter said, you have to be, there's that time when people will be willfully ignorant. They're looking at all the facts and they choose not to believe that the Lord is coming again. Let's go on to the next thing. A, it's a covenant of peace. B, it's a covenant that will be confirmed. C, it's a covenant with many. D, it's a covenant that will be broken. Another reason we believe it's a covenant of peace is because at the middle of the tribulation period, here, Daniel writes, he will confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week, he will bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and then on the wings of abominations make desolate. So you look at this, what he's going to do, all hell is going to break loose. It's no longer going to be peace on earth. It's going to be this hell that is going to break loose on this earth. And uh, let's see uh, what happens. He may 
makes war against the Jews. We know this from many passages in the Bible. In fact, if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to this passage, Isaiah chapter 28. If you don't, <clears throat> that's all right. You're going to be up to speed in just a minute. I believe the passage that I'm going to read to you right now from Isaiah chapter 28 is is speaking of the same covenant that we are reading about with Antichrist in Daniel chapter 9. Some say it's already been fulfilled. I haven't seen this covenant fulfilled anywhere. I believe it's the same covenant. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 14, the Bible says this, Therefore hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men, who rule this people who are in Jerusalem. So this is speaking of a time when Jerusalem has bad leaders, wicked leaders. And then he says this to those who are leading Jerusalem. Because you have said we have made a covenant with death and with Shul we are in agreement, when the overflowing scourge passes through, it will not come to us. For we have made lies our refuge and under falsehood we have hidden ourselves. So that's Isaiah chapter 28, verses 14 and 15. They've made lies their refuge. There's something that is threatening Israel. Apparently it's affected uh, much of the world to avoid the scourge that's coming against them. Listen, this scourge cannot be a pestilence because Israel's able to enter into an agreement to, in their mind, avoid the scourge, the pain that is going to come their way. But God goes on and says this, in verse 18, your covenant with death will be annulled and your agreement with Shul will not stand when the overflowing scourge passes through. Then you'll be trampled down by it. Saying, listen, there's a scourge that's coming. You're going to make a covenant. It's going to be annulled. That is what Daniel chapter 9 also teaches. In the middle of the week, Antichrist is going to break that covenant. And then the Bible says this in Isaiah 28, then you will be trampled down by this evil scourge that is coming. As often as it goes out, it will take you from morning by morning, it will pass over and day by night. It will be a terror just to understand the report. Wow. That sounds to me like what the Bible describes of the second half of the seven-year tribulation period when Antichrist breaks his covenant of peace that he has made with Jews, with the Jews, and with the many. Think of this, Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7, it talks about this and calls it the time of Jacob's trouble. Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, I'll look at a little bit more at this in just a minute. Uh, Jesus said, at this time, let those in Judea flee. This is speaking about the second half of the tribulation period when Antichrist has broken his covenant. Again, Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, speaks of it and says, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Wow. What else can we know about this? Oh, there's a covenant. We also know from Daniel chapter 9, there is a temple. How can we know? Because of certain things that are here. Listen to this or think of this. There is a temple sacrifice here in Daniel chapter 9. What does Antichrist do? He brings an end to sacrifice. If he ends sacrifice, that means that the Jews are, have entered into their sacrifices again, and I'll show you in a minute. Not only that, we can know these sacrifices are going to take place at the temple. Uh, this is one of the clues to the biblical insight that the temple will be built, but not just there. Revelation chapter 11, 
verses 1 and 2 says, rise, this is the angel telling John, he's saying, look, and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. So what do we know? This is the middle, Revelation chapter 11 is the middle of the tribulation period. Wow. And then check this out. Revelation chapter 11 continues. But leave out the court, which is outside the temple. Do not measure it, for it has been given over to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. How long is 42 months? 42 months is three and a half years. Middle of the tribulation. This is speaking of the second half of the tribulation. The Gentiles are going to tread the area outside the temple. Measure the outer course that's outside the temple. Listen, I want you to think of this. Right now we are watching with these different peace deals that are taking place. The UAE and Israel, now Bahrain. Uh, but you're already seeing Arab people um, going, taking planes to Israel. And then we're hearing, listen, we're going to hear a whole lot about this. About these people who, the, the, the Arab communities surrounding Israel, who have never gone to the Temple Mount before, guess where they're going to be going? They are going to go to the Temple Mount. They're going to walk up there. They're going to see the Al-Aqsa Mosque. They're going to see the gold dome of the rock. Uh, and listen, but this is the way it's described in the Bible. Uh, measure the temple. There's going to be a temple there. And outside is given over to the Gentiles. We are going to see it more and more and more. And by the way, as you're reading these peace agreements that are, uh, that are being uh, agreed upon between Israel and these other territories, uh, they're saying, listen, uh, they've given up on the Palestinian cause. And they are moving forward. They're saying, we want peace with Israel. By the way, it, it's, it's really because they both have a common enemy, and the common enemy is Iran. But that is for uh, another message for another time. Um, Let's move on from there. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 tells us this. Another reason we know there is a temple. The man of sin, the son of perdition, exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So we look at these verses and we know that there is a temple. Again, excuse me for just a second here. Thank you very much. Um, so we know that there is this temple, and we know that the people are going to worship. And, and uh, let's move on from there to the next thing. So we have the temple sacrifice. We also have the temple location. Where is the temple going to be located? Um, we know it's going to exist. Where is it going to be located? Well, I believe, I know where it's going to be located. I believe it's going to be located right here. You see on your screen, you see the gold dome. I believe that is where the temple is going to go. Outside of that area is going to be the area that Revelation chapter 11 speaks of that's been given over to the Gentiles. So when you consider this, uh, I know there's a lot of different arguments out there. One of the arguments is that the temple is located, as you're looking at, if you could pull that picture back up, just leave it up 
there for a couple minutes if you guys can. If you look at the gold dome, as you're looking at the picture, it would be to your right. There is a gazebo over to the right, and that gazebo is known as the dome of the tablets or the dome of the spirits. And, and people have said, uh, uh, it's been tradition, that's where the tablets of the Ten Commandments were, hence the Holy of Holies, dome of the spirits, that's where the Shekinah glory of God was. So they say that is where the temple was and the altar was, and the temple could actually fit right there next to the gold dome. Um, I taught that for many years. Listen, I've, I've changed my tune on that. I believe the temple's going to be right where uh, the gold dome is going to be. Uh, but I have a... Other people that say, no, 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 you're wrong on that. It's not where the dome uh, of the spirits is or, or that, that gazebo is not where the gold dome is. The temple location is actually in the city of David. And, and listen, I get emails several a week that tell me, listen, the temple is in the city of David. And I've studied it and looked at it. And, and listen, my conclusion is, it's not the city of David, it's there on the Temple Mount. And people will say regarding the city of David, uh, they'll say, um, listen, if you look at, again, you're looking at that picture, uh, that picture is a retaining wall of the Temple Mount. You see the wall going all the way around it. It also goes back the other side. What you're looking at in the picture is a view of Jerusalem from the Mount Olives, and you're looking at the eastern side of the retaining wall. To the left that you're looking is the southern side of the retaining wall, and the southern steps go up there and then be behind that on the other side is the western wall of the temple mount so people who say well the city of david is where the temple should be because jesus said not a stone would be left upon another regarding the temple and they'll say well jews are going up to the western wall and they are worshiping there listen you can come back to me now if you want the jews can go up to the western wall and worship there and that's the western wall of the temple listen that is not the western wall of the temple it's called the temple mount because on top of it was the temple and you can look and see where the, temp the buildings of the temple structure and the temple mount were thrown over. You can go to Jerusalem right now and you can see those stones that have been thrown over the side of the retaining wall. The wall where you see the Heredi worshiping, that is not the temple. That is the western wall of the temple mount. Uh, so what else do we have here? I don't know because I lost my notes. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, we have the temple sacrifice. B, we have the temple location. C, we have the temple priests. Listen, they've all got to be together. They've got to be doing the sacrifices and performing their duties. Listen, you can check this out. Go to the Temple Institute. You can go to their website, and uh, you can check out all the different things that they have. Listen, the Jews pretty much have everything they need to be able to uh, start sacrificing and worshiping as soon as there's a temple uh, that they have. The priestly clothes have been all made. The instruments have been made. Uh, you start looking at everything. Listen, even the showbread is now made. It's fascinating. You can even take a tour and check out uh, how the showbread is made. Somebody's making it for the coming of the temple. Listen, everything is together. Everything is ready. And now they are even saying uh, that it looks like there's the possibility of a red heifer that is uh, going to be ready. What's the significance of a red heifer? Well, uh, 
from what I understand, the red heifer is necessary for the, the ashes of the red heifer are necessary for the purification of the instruments that are used in temple worship or temple worship uh, all, all the way around. So you look at that. Here's the problem. There's never been a red heifer that's been uh, without spot or blemish. We can't have a, a hair that's not red on it. And uh, they're saying, hey, there's a couple of possible candidates right now for the red heifer. Listen, I don't put all my stock in the red heifer, but I do think of this. All these various things are coming together. We have peace plans that are in the mix. We have the temple uh, sacrifices and the priests that are all ready to go. The instruments are already all made and on down the list. And I'm thinking, man, we must be close. So number one, there's a covenant. Number two, there is a temple. Number three, there is an abomination. What is the abomination? Um, think of this. We have the abomination of desolation. Jesus spoke of this. Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. Jesus himself said, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Wow. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. Let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. With that, what Jesus say, spoken of this, the abomination spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Listen, Jesus in the New Testament is confirming what the prophet Daniel wrote about. Uh, people said, well, Daniel was writing about the abomination of desolation regarding Antiochus Epiphanes. No, he was not. How do we know that? Because Antiochus Epiphanes desecrated and committed the abomination, uh, you know, centuries before Christ even came. So Jesus is saying, no, the Antichrist who is coming, he's going to commit this abomination of desolation. There's still yet future. And that is what Daniel was writing about. With that, the word abomination, it means disgusting, detestable, idolatrous, and desolate means destroy or devastate. Thinking of this, by disgusting, detestable ways, the Antichrist will perform his idolatry. One thing is to make himself to be God, but likely in several other disgusting ways, he will devastate the temple. Note that Daniel uses the plural abominations. So as Antiochus Epiphanes has sacrificed a pig on the altar and, and spread his blood, the pig's blood around the altar, it appears Antichrist is going to take this up a, a notch. He's going to commit abominations. It will be plural. So B, A, it's the abomination of desolation. B, it's the abomination that is determined. Listen, it will happen. It is determined. And it is God who has determined it. Remember, Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, we read it, where God said, 70 weeks are determined for your people. 69 weeks are done. 483 years are done. There's still the final week, the final seven-year period, the 70th week of Daniel. God said, 70 weeks are determined for your people. Again, note that this abomination of desolation, it takes place at the middle point of the tribulation period. 
at that period of 42 months or three and a half years, also known as we looked at the time of Jacob's trouble. Listen, throughout the history of the Jews, the Jews have suffered great persecution. We can think of the time uh, during Nazi Germany with Hitler. Uh, we think of the Jews being hauled off in trains and, and, uh, and hauled off going over to um, uh, uh, Auschwitz or Dachau or one of the other many death camps. Six million Jews murdered during that time. But if you look back in history, there has been this constant attempt to exterminate the Jews from the face of the earth. Why is that? It's because it's a spiritual battle. God promised that he was going to return. Jesus himself promised in Matthew chapter 23, I will return and you will say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Satan hates the Jews. That's why Satan is going to sit in the temple and demand to be worshipped as God and do everything he can for what Hitler called the final solution. That's going to be uh, Satan's attempt through Antichrist, the final solution, because Satan believes this. If he can eliminate the Jews and get the Jews out of Israel, and he sits in the temple and demands to be worshipped as God, then Jesus cannot return to Jerusalem and rule and reign because he doesn't have the Jewish people to return to. So it's not going to end that way. I know how it's going to end. I know that Jesus wins. This is the great and awesome day of the Lord. What does this mean? It means that Jesus wins. How do we know it's going to happen? Because God has determined it. We're almost done. Joel chapter 2, verse 31 says, The sun in that day, that great and awesome day, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. After that, Joel continues and says, And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 12 says, For the day of the Lord of hosts shall come upon everything, proud and lofty, upon everything lifted up, and it shall be brought low. And Isaiah chapter 13 says, Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, with both wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he will destroy its sinners from it. And Jeremiah chapter 46 says, for this is the day of the Lord, God of hosts, a day of vengeance that he may avenge himself on his adversaries. This has become known as a great day, an awesome day of the Lord, because at the end of the seven year tribulation period, guess what? Jesus returns. There you can see an artist's rendition of that time that's coming. Jesus riding on his white horse and all we have been caught up together with the Lord in the air. We are going to return with him at the end of the seven years. Jesus is going to ride. We're going to ride with him. He's going to ride into the valley of Megiddo, uh, the area of Megiddo, the Jezreel Valley. Armageddon, Revelation chapter 16 calls it. Jesus there, he's going to swoop down from heaven and he's going to cast the Antichrist and the false prophet into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. And then he's going to ride on over to Jerusalem and he will rule and reign from Jerusalem. He's going to clean up the mess and then the millennium 
millennial kingdom is going to come. Listen, this is exciting to me. One of the most exciting things to, I get to do is whenever I take a group over to Israel with me, we stand over maybe at Mount Carmel or one of the other lookout areas, and you're looking down into the Jezreel Valley. And I can tell people, look up in the sky. From the sky, the day is going to come when you're going to be with the Lord. He's going to be returning on that horse, and we're going to have our horses to this spot, a.k.a. Armageddon. Listen, this is incredible. Jesus wins. With that, listen, we're done with that section. I got some questions that keep coming into me. I could tell because my phone didn't stop the whole time I was talking. So with that, now let's go through some things. Here we go. Ready? Okay. Let me, I got, I, you know, I have so many questions here. I'm not sure where I'm even going to start. So oh, I'd like a, how you guys were very faithful to send all these questions to me. So let's start with this one. Paul asks about the California wire wildfires. Been watching those. I'm sure they've been on the world, uh, on the news worldwide. Um, worse than 2018, which was recorded as the worst wildfire season for California. But it's not just California. It's Oregon, I believe, even up to Washington, the entire West Coast. And this person, Paul, he asked, could these fires be the result of the passing of SB 145? Uh, that's the Senate bill here in California. It's the, the pedophile bill, I guess you would call it. And it has to do with not being charged for uh, sex crimes or something like that uh, with a minor. I'm not going to go into all of those details, but he asked, could the wildfires be caused because of that? Listen, I'm going I'm to tell you this. There are uh, so many different things that this world has done way before SB 145. You go back, you can look at abortion, uh, kicking God out of schools in the 1960s, uh, abortion in the 1970s. Well, America has aborted over, over 60 million babies. And then we have the false prophets who are saying, it's all good, peace and safety, don't look at this here. And then you have the prophets like Jeremiah that are crying out, look, we've got trouble. The list just goes on and on and on and on. We have turned our back from God. So I wouldn't say the wildfires in California are a direct result from that. I don't know. I'm not God. But let me tell you something. The Bible is very clear. Judgment is coming. And folks, I believe that we live in the last day. Here, here's another uh, question that came in. Let me see if I can open it. I'm having a little bit of a problem with this one. Here we go. What is the difference between a covenant and a peace treaty? Which does Daniel chapter 9 actually refer to? I believe that uh, this is from Alan. I believe, Alan, that a Daniel chapter 9 is referring to a covenant. And really, I don't really think there is necessarily any type of difference between a covenant and a treaty. In fact, here's something for everybody to think about. Uh, this, uh, the UAE deal is called uh, the Abraham Accord. So what's an accord? Uh, what's a treaty? The, the, the similar word. But when you start to look at it, you say, well, isn't accord a covenant? Isn't a treaty also some type of covenant? And so when I look at this, it's puzzling to me because from what I understand, it sounds like all these different agreements, and I'm not 100% sure on how all these things are working out, but it sounds like uh, the whole lot of them are part of the Abraham Accord. And I look at that and I go, wait a minute, the only Abraham covenant I know is the one that God had with Abraham that he established in, in, in Genesis chapter 12 and then followed on 
out through the Bible and you look, you go, wait a minute, God, is, is God has the Abrahamic covenant. Have we entered into that time where man is saying, now we've got our own covenant and it's better than God's covenant? I'm troubled by the name that has been placed over this. And it could be because the Muslim nations or the Arab nations are saying their fathers, Abraham, and the Jews in the Bible rightly are saying their fathers and Abraham. I don't know what all the reason is for it, but to take the name um, Abrahamic covenant to me is a bit uh, challenging. Okay. Question. What are the 45 days? What are the 45 days uh, in Daniel chapter 12? Uh, excellent question. That comes from Cindy. Um, Cindy, I'm going to put it this way. I am going to get to that in Daniel chapter 12 here in the coming weeks. It's exciting. That's one of the most difficult passages to explain, but I'll, I'll just put it in a nutshell for now. Um, uh, so at the end of the tribulation period, there's an extension of time for all of you who are watching. You can read about it in Daniel chapter 9. And this is what we do know. There's going to be a judgment of sheep and goats that's going to happen uh, after Jesus returns at the end of the tribulation period. It also appears there's going to be a lot of cleanup that's going to need to be done. Remember, the, the temple that is built is where the Antichrist was, and he committed the abomination of desolation. So we'll talk about that when we get to Daniel chapter 12. But for right now, um, that's it. Uh, that's some of it in a nutshell, but I'll get more details then. Question. Uh, this is from David. Is the covenant going to be a new one or will it be one that already exists? Uh, David, I've mentioned that uh, it's, it's going to be confirmed according to Daniel chapter 9. That means it's a covenant that already exists. It's the possibility. Maybe it is this Abrahamic accord. Maybe because it's all of these different covenants combined. I don't know, but it's going to be confirmed. Hence, I gave the illustration. You can't confirm an appointment. You can't confirm a hotel reservation unless you already have it. So it has to be a covenant of some type in place that Antichrist is going to confirm. Hence, it's already there. Um, let's go on to some more questions here. Let's see. Do you think it's wrong to fast and pray for Jesus to return? Uh, no, that's coming from Keto Extreme. I'm guessing Keto Extreme is probably already fasting and now wants to pray too, but um, uh, I don't think it's necessarily uh, such a, a bad idea to uh, fast and pray over everything. We're told to pray without ceasing, and also we're told this in 2 Peter chapter 3, I believe it is, that we are to hasten the coming of the Lord. So fasting and praying for Him to come, that's hastening the, the day of the Lord. Remember, John wrote at the book of Revelation, come quickly, Lord Jesus. There's that longing for it, so I don't see anything wrong with it at all. In fact, it might be the right thing to do. Uh, this comes from Rila. Are all these countries making peace with Israel, setting up the Ezekiel 38 war? Uh, Rila, that is an outstanding question. Um, so when you look at this, uh, so the countries are making peace with Israel. Uh, it, it's uh, right now you have Bahrain, you have the UAE. Uh, my friend James Cadiz says, and I, I agree with him, we're going to see Saudi Arabia enter into this. We're going to watch all these different Arab communities. Now, this is interesting. When you look at Ezekiel chapter 38, the Gog-Magog war, what do we know from that? We know that Russia... Turkey and Iran are going to have an alliance together along with Sudan and Libya and some other territories. They're going to come against Israel. With the countries that are not going to come against Israel, 
we know Saudi Arabia is not going to come against Israel. It appears there's some other Arab tor tor excuse me, territories that are not going to come against Israel. So I find it very fascinating as I'm watching these peace plans that are coming together, I'd be willing to bet when it's all said and done, all of these peace plans probably won't include uh, the Ezekiel 38 nations, except here's one possibility. I'm going to throw a monkey wrench out there for you. You ready? Here's a possibility. That in Ezekiel chapter 38, when the Gog Magog invasion takes place, it's a time when Israel is dwelling in peace and safety. So a couple of different things. All these different peace plans going on with the Arab community, Israel letting their guard down, we're dwelling with peace and safety. There's people from the Arab communities that are now, now flying into the Ben-Gurion airport, visiting the Temple Mount and Jerusalem. Wow, peace and safety. But it wouldn't surprise me at all. If Israel ends up entering into some kind of peace agreement with Russia, uh, listen, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it is quite possible because Israel's going to let down their guard and they're going to be completely surprised by um, the invasion that comes against them from Russia, from the north with Turkey and with Iran. Uh, we live in incredible days to say the least. Uh, let's uh, continue on from here. Um, uh, oh, let me get to a question. Uh, do you think uh, this is leading to many agreements with the nations around Israel and the, and the Antichrist will expand into one full agreement, including temple rebuilding? It feels like it's going that way. I think I answered that already. I do feel like that is a good possibility. Many different agreements. Abraham Accord already talked a little bit about that. And it could be. It could be. I don't know. We're going to see how this whole thing pans out. I want you to understand this. Uh, think about this um, also regarding... Um, the peace agreements uh, and, and trying to figure out how all of this is going to work out or trying to figure out how um, all Bible prophecy is going to be fulfilled exactly how it's all going to come about. There's certain things we couldn't have, uh, I, I certainly didn't predict coronavirus and the world would go into a lockdown. All of a sudden these peace treaties with the UAE and Bahrain and these things are all starting to happen. Except the Bible does let us know this is the way it's got to be in the last days when you start to see the alignment of nations. I didn't predict that, that Russia was going to end up on the northern border just north of Israel at their northern border in Syria uh, several years ago when Russia came in and they ain't leaving from there. Uh, think of this, there are certain details we don't know, but we do know ultimately how it's going to be fulfilled. Think of this, so when Jesus was born the first time, there were all kinds of Bible prophecies about him. He'd be born in Bethlehem, he'd come from the area of Galilee, but he'd also come out of Egypt. Listen, how could that possibly be? Bethlehem, Galilee, and out of Egypt? That is impossible. We we couldn't have possibly known that Caesar was going to issue a decree that all the world had to be registered. And that would cause Mary and Joseph to have to leave the Galilee area of Nazareth and come to Jerusalem where their son was going to be born. And then Herod would seek to kill all of the Jewish babies, two years old and younger. So they were warned in a dream to flee into Egypt. So later on, Jesus could be called out of Egypt. We could have known all those things, yet every single prophecy was fulfilled to a T. So sometimes with Bible prophecy, it's really good idea to keep some of these things in mind. We don't know exactly how all these little details will play out. However, we do know the big picture. Russia is going to invade. 
Israel's going to enter into an agreement that's going to be confirmed by Antichrist, and we see other events that are going to take place. We know there's going to be globalism. We know there's going to be a new world order. We know that the time is coming when no one can buy or sell unless they receive the mark of the beast, and so forth and so on. Exactly how it gets there, who would have known? Oh, we're going to be start talking about vaccines and, uh, and, and coronavirus and all these different things that are taking place. This comes from Celeste. I'm almost out of time. It's almost been an hour. This comes from Celeste. Does this peace deal signing on Tuesday possibly qualify as when they are saying peace and safety and then sudden destruction comes upon them? Um, I don't know how to say that uh, exactly. Um, uh, this coming Tuesday, um, you know, they're saying peace and safety. People are crying peace and safety in the cities, as I mentioned earlier in the message. Right now, we're crying out for it. Can't we just have peace and safety in our cities and get back to normal? I got news for you. We keep hearing reports from different officials. We're not going back to the way it used to be. Everything is trending in a particular direction. Listen, you can look at things like the World Economic Forum and see what their plan is and the direction things are going. You can look at Agenda 21. You can look at Agenda 2030. The UN and plans and the direction everything is going. Everything is going that way. And the peace and safety, I think we're going to continue to hear it and it's going to get louder and louder and louder. Um, this says here, uh, this is the last question I have enough time to answer. Uh, Pookie says, um, do you see a problem with Kushner and the two-state solution? And, uh, and uh, Michael Baker uh, writes, history is being made of that, there is no doubt. So with that, we got like a minute left. Let me say this. Do I see a problem with Kushner and the two-state solution? Um, I believe that Jerusalem is going to be divided. I have friends that teach Bible prophecy. They say they don't think it will. But uh, we'll get into that when we get to Daniel chapter 11. Daniel chapter 11, verse 39, the Bible teaches that he, Antichrist, will divide the land for gain, speaking specifically of Jerusalem. So I think it's going to be divided, and we have a two-state solution. Here's the interesting thing about this current, these current peace plans. Israel has tentatively agreed to not, uh, not build on 70% of their land uh, in the West Bank, their settlements. 70%. That is huge. Uh, from what I understand, the Arab, the Arab nations are saying Israel isn't going to build. But from what I understand, Netanyahu is saying, well, wait a minute, that's not exactly what we are saying. But you look at this, and I hear a lot of talk coming from Kushner's camp uh, about uh, dividing the land of Israel, dividing specifically Jerusalem. So I look at this. And it is concerning because in Joel, uh, Joel the prophet writes uh, that God is going to judge any nation that enters into uh, dividing the land or attempting to divide the land of Jerusalem, see, of Israel. So you look at that and you go, we live in interesting days to say the least. I will say this, I do not believe that Donald Trump is Antichrist. I believe Antichrist comes out of a revived Roman Empire and again he's going to confirm the covenant. But I want you to think of this too. This is just kind of fascinating. 
is when you look at Israel right now and you look at the problem territories they had, uh, Gaza was a problem for them. That's where the Philistines were located uh, way back in the time of David and Samson and uh, uh, those things. Uh, then you look at the West Bank. The West Bank is made up primarily of Judea and Samaria. Those were the areas of Israel that went into sin. They wouldn't listen to the righteous prophets. They only listened to the false prophets who were saying everything's going to work out. Everything's going to be okay. You don't need to repent. So they wouldn't repent. Samaria, the northern kingdom, fell to the Assyrians. Judea fell to the Babylonians. If you look at a map and you see the West Bank, those are the areas. This is indeed an incredible thing. God is saying, listen, we're not going to move on until we deal with these problems. Israel has had a problem with Gaza, Judea, and Samaria ever since they have been back in the land. And you look at these peace plans, they're all about those areas right now. Um, fascinating things are developing. I wish I had time to tell you more. Uh, money is, listen, in these peace plans, money is going to be poured into area of Israel. I believe money is going to be poured into Gaza. In fact, I know it is. I'll tell you, maybe I'll tell you why on an update later this week, but we're out of time for now. God bless you guys. Thank you. There are a lot of questions. I wish I had more time to answer more questions. Uh, listen, until next time, God bless. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.